Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome to another episode of Business Black Belts. My name is Dave Golding. I am here with Steve Rinaldi from the Rinaldi Group. How are you doing today, Steve? Doing very well. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, you have a very interesting story that uh, I think a lot of people will um, be able to relate to and also find very interesting because you've uh, had a number of different uh, professions uh, throughout your life and, and now you know have become an entrepreneur and, and a very successful entrepreneur at that. So why don't we start at the beginning, though? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I, I've been in the mortgage business since 2001, um, kind of got there by chance. Um, and I, I had a degree in education. So, um, I spent 15 years teaching, um, and kind of have a, had a dual career where I was slowly methodically, you know, building my mortgage business up over 15 years. And then, um, you know, basically in 2015, 2016, I started getting to a point where it was almost time for me to make a decision. Um, I had my first son, I guess it was um, 2016. And, you know, literally one month later, I was retiring from teaching and going full speed into this business. And, and now fast forward six, you know, six years later, um, you know, owner of a mortgage company, um, two kids, um, and just you know, really have a lot of things to be thankful for. Um, a lot of hard work, a lot of long nights, um, a lot of patience from my wife. But um, at the end of the day, I think worth it. You know, and, and um, definitely like every day trying to get better. Yeah. So what was it like balancing uh, being a teacher and uh, dipping your toes into the mortgage business and having that side of your uh, professional life grow at the same time that you're, uh, you know, balancing being a teacher? It was hard. Um, the, the, the one benefit of it was, you know, summers off helped. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, I was early morning, so I'd wake up 5.30 in the morning and I would, you know, I would work all the way through to four o'clock. And I would do a little bit of the mortgage work throughout the day during my lunch breaks, during like, you know, times I had. Um, but then a lot, I mean, for really two, two, I would say at least two years straight, it was, you know, wake up at 5.30 in the morning, you know, go in and then come off and come off around 4, 4.30, get home around five o'clock, you know, eat a quick dinner and then work from six to nine. And, you know, just, you know, I would say that process happened for, I would think about two, at least two years, three years. And I think the, the key for us was, is that, you know, we lived like we were still making a teacher salary, even though I was making, you know, pretty much double because my mortgage business was growing. So um, it, it was one of those things where it was just, you know, we had, we had a goal, we wanted to have options and um, it kind of pushed me through it. And um, again, I'll also go back, like my, my, my wife is super supportive too. So I think that she really kind of carried the weight um, of having a husband that was working hundred hour weeks. So I think that was something to be said for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, behind every good man is a good woman, right? hundred percent. Yeah. So hundred hour weeks. Um, now, you know, you talked about goal setting. When did that start for you? Uh, you know, is that something that you started doing you know, early in life? I was, so I, I was a teacher in North Philly and then I was invited to like a, a training that was meant for administration. And I, I wasn't an admin, but I was, you know, um, one of the most, um, I guess, experienced teachers. 
so they invited me because I guess they had a couple extra spots and they invited me and I was always thankful for that. And it was, um, seven habits of highly effective people. And what it does is like, every, and I still do it is every week, you know, on Sunday, you know, I plan out my week and I plan out that week in relationship to like the different roles I have in my life. So at that time, you know, I was a teacher, I was, um, you know, I guess I was curriculum coordinator, village lead. I had a lot of other roles, but I had, you know, in my scheduling, in my, like the goals for that week, I had different, what they call big rocks. And I would, each week, what it did for me and, and what, it, what it really helped was there was always that one little block at the bottom of this list where it was mortgage loan officer. So what it forced me to do is, even though my focus was doing the best I could be in the classroom, every week I was doing something to develop myself. And setting some goal every week to get a little bit better. And it's a snowball effect. And every week, I'm, you know, whether it's, you know, learning more or, or reaching out to different referral partners, just building that network, consistency wins over time. So I think that, um, and I, I guess that that happened, I mean, I guess it was like 2008, somewhere in that ballpark. So I guess it's been something I've been doing for a pretty long time now. And it, um, it, it keep, kept me accountable to make sure that I was living a balanced life. Because there's also pieces of it where I'm you know, making sure I'm doing stuff with my wife and, and taking time for my family and, and all of that stuff too. Yeah, so you mentioned 2008. Um, yep. Let's talk about some of these crises. Uh, you know, that obviously the mortgage industry is a lot of ups and downs like any business but also, you know, some extremes, and I think 2008 was was one of those, uh, you know, serious extremes. It's really interesting to me that you talked about, you know, so you started out in 2001. That was kind of another extreme, right? The the uh, tech bubble bursting, yeah. and, you know, a lot of changes happening happening economically because of 9/11. Um, and so, yeah, just can you share what it's been like and and how you've uh, persevered through these types of crises? Well, it's a challenge. I mean, it's a, it's um, like even right now, it's a challenge because of the environment you're seeing for buyers. Um, you know, buyers. You know, a lot of people doing the you know the right things and preparing themselves to be you know a buyer in this market are really having challenges because it's incredibly competitive and things like waiving appraisals and closing in three weeks or less or you know taking all the waiving inspections is a, a lot more risk for the buyer. So I think. It's tough. Um, I, I do go back like in 2008, um, you know, it was just a terrible environment because of the inflated appraisals, the sh low down payments with adjusted adjustable rate mortgages. So there's a lot of things that came together. You know, for me, I think that the you've got to focus on the things that you can control. And I could control my work ethic. I could control my integrity. I could control, um, you know, how well I communicate. And, you know, I was reading something, you know, just this morning about how, you know, sometimes it's going to take seven, you know, two, three times the effort to get 75% of the results. And I think that's what a lot of people in the real estate industry are learning right now is that, especially the mortgage business, like so easy for two, three years there, and it's going to be harder and you're going to have to work harder and you're not going to get the same, might not get the same results, but you know, every day focusing on, on doing the right things um, that will win out over time. Yeah. It's, and I got to think that um, that financial commitment that you made to live off that teacher's salary as you were working these two jobs also helps you to weather these storms. Um, because, you know, I would think in, in kind of a boom or bust business, that's really important for survival. Is that true? Well, I would totally agree with that because also like, you don't want to be as a person who I'm a salesperson, you know, so it's, I think it's really, I think it's very um, unfortunate when you have salespeople that are selling when they have to sell. Like you want to save your money, you want to invest your money, you want to protect yourself for the low times so that you could still like, 
in some strange way, Dave, like I almost like feel like this will be the best couple of years of my life if rates are high because, you know, we've saved money. We've, you know, we haven't overextended, you know, we live well below our means so that if things get a little bit slower because rates are higher and the market gets tougher, it doesn't negatively impact our family. It's actually like, so to kind of lead into like, that was one of the really key pieces for me making a big jump was those two, three years where we were making more than, you know, we were accustomed to and living below our means, we were able to save. And I think that, you know, I remember when my first few months when I was full time with no more salary, no more health insurance being paid for, no more pension, it's all over. It's just all on me. Like the fact that I had a, a significant amount of money in the bank got me over those first six months that were slow for me, where I was just kind of getting my feet about me. So I think that for like somebody who's thinking about making a big jump or somebody who's thinking about taking a big risk, you know, you load up, you save as much as you can, you take a risk and, and, and not for nothing, like. In 2016, when I made the jump, that's what I did. And when I made the jump to own the business, that was another risk. And again, I saved money. I protected myself from, you know, anything that, I, you know, that could happen. And it allowed me to, you know, work with confidence and to you know, make sure that I'm you know, doing things I want to do with my life. I think that saving, taking a risk, saving, taking a risk is a good way to, to do things. Yeah. And I think um, that also takes patience and in our culture, uh, <laughs> patience is not something you find a lot, especially with, you know, businesses and, you know, we're kind of in, the, in this very frothy market, you know, where there's tons of venture money and, and uh, private equity investment and all those sorts of things. And, and I, I love talking to people like you who um, have taken the road less traveled and have taken the long road and really worked, you know, and earned what you've achieved. Well, yeah, I'm a father, right? Like I, I every, this is all about my family. Um, I want my children to have opportunities. I can't, if it's just me out here, I might maybe look at things a little bit differently, but I got to protect my, my, my wife and my, my children. I got to make sure that, you know, anything that I'm doing, I'm always keeping them in my mind. So, you know, it would be reckless for me to do things, you know, that I thought were going to be great, but, you know, if they didn't work out, it would put them in a bad situation. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. So I think that, I think once you have kids, it changes to a degree, like you just, everything's about them. And I think in my mind, like you know, protecting the, from the, the worst case scenario is something that I have to do as a father um, and, and as a husband. Yeah. So this current uh, environment that we're in, what advice do you have, you know, for buyers and sellers? Well, I, I think first of all, I think it's it's good to cast a wide net both both in times in terms of time and in terms of space. I think that you know when I talk to clients and, and our conversations get very deep now because things are tough and you, you have to really make sure you're communicating all the different angles. But I think you know getting pre-approved as quick as possible that you at least have that opportunity. I think um, also you know being not really focusing on just one specific area. You know casting a wide net in terms of space is very important. And then being ready to go, like when you see a house that you love, um, that you're willing to you know, really jump on it because there is no time to wait. Um, I also think trusting people where we're, we're winning in the market and, and we're doing well in the area is that we're local. There's an accountability factor here. You know, if I, you know, if I write a pre-approval and the loan doesn't close, it negatively impacts you know, my business and where, you know, if a, if a bigger company, you know, or an internet type lender fails, there's really no accountability. So I would really, the professionals matter more than ever, the real estate agent, the lender, um, and then also just being prepared 
and being ready to go when that opportunity strikes. Um, I, I think that's the best advice I'm giving out here. Yeah, that's really good advice for sure. Um, you know, I've, I've uh, bought and sold a few houses in my day and uh, <laughs> you know, you're speaking the truth from my experience. Well, it's really um, hard. I'll tell you the hardest part though, is the hardest part is when you're talking to people that haven't bought a house in 10 years, you know, trying to explain to them, like, this isn't like, cause you know, 10 years ago, houses sat on the market in the right areas for weeks and months. And now you have to explain to people like, Hey, it's going to go fast. Hey, you got to waive inspections. Hey, you got to take a risk on the appraisal. It's like, it's really tough for somebody who hasn't bought a house in a while. And you're at, a lot of parents because like, why are you doing this? Why are you, do, but it's, it's, you know, desperate times, you know, calls for desperate measures. So just educating, right? Like just helping people understand like this is reality. And sometimes it takes a few houses for them to miss on to see that we're speaking the truth, but um, and that it, it's, it's all about communication. Well, what I hear you talking about too, is that um, you go above and beyond in that, you know, you've mentioned education. Um, you've mentioned, you know, making sure that you kind of slow down and explain to them and prepare them for the process. And I think that is somewhat unusual, uh, you know, especially in that mortgage business. Like I said, I've I've um, I've refinanced a lot of loans, and you know, I've I've bought and sold houses, and I've had good experiences and bad experiences with uh, you know mortgages, and and in particular, like you said too, some of the online um, you know brokerages. Uh, I think that lack of accountability, lack of um, I think we all operate off of incentive, right? And, um, and you know, but also principles, right? And you, it sounds to me principles. like you, you really believe in being principled, you know, just like, and I think there's a great correlation here, Steve, is that, um, you know, you've been very principled in how you've built this business, how you've been patient, um, how you've really done it the right way. Um, and it sounds like that's really carried over to how you treat your clients. Like, so when we, so let's start the company, like it's, you know, it's a name on a paper and, and you have to build a company. I read it, you know, read the books I needed to read to get an idea of what it was. And it was just about what were the values. Um, I spent time at mastery charter school, which was a great school. Like it was, it was corporate America type, but it was very, it was big operation and it was ran by you know great people. And just, I remember like the core values piece. So like when, so I kind of transferred that over into the mortgage world and like the first core value and the value that we talk about. I would say almost every day is client experience is number one. You know, client experience is really what this is all about because I want people to have, I always say like, you know, if you go to a good restaurant, you don't really tell anybody, but if you go to a great restaurant, you tell everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the experience that we're trying to provide our clients. Um, client calls me eight o'clock. I'll pick up on one ring. You know, they want to talk to me on Saturday or Sunday. It's no problem. They want me to talk to a seller. Like I'm going to do whatever it takes to move the needle for the client and give them the best experience possible. And I think that's, you know, that's something that I can control. I can't control where rates go. I can't control you know, inventory, but I can control, you know, how clients feel about myself and my staff um, when it's all over. So I, I think that's pretty much what we focus on is, is really just trying to give the clients an experience that's different than what they expect of. Yeah, that's really good. What are you seeing relative to some of those elements that you talked about as far as how fast, first of all, actually, let's talk about, you know, where you um, live and, and uh, kind of your reach as far as, uh, you know, the geography of, uh, you know, where you're operating. Yeah, my, my, my office is in Media, um, Pennsylvania. So it's, um, it is kind of like a hub of Delaware County. 
Um, I'm licensed in PA, Delaware, New Jersey, Florida, and I'm working on Maryland now. Um, so I find, you know, probably 80% of my business is in Pennsylvania. Um, my network is mostly Delaware County. A lot of people from Delaware County move into you know, Chester County. Um, so a lot of that is a big part of my business. Um, but I, I do a lot in Delaware. People are starting to buy in Delaware now. And then I do a lot of shore properties and a lot of um, you know, that stuff too. So, I mean, my major focus is, you know, if I guess it was one area of which I focus on the most, it would probably be like the Glen Mills Garden Valley area because that's where I live too. Okay. And so what are you seeing in those, in those markets? How fast do people have to act? And, and, and like you said, I mean, is it like, everybody's got to just waive inspections or, you know, help us understand some of those dynamics and what, uh, you know, the push and pull is there. Tough. I mean, I, I don't know what you know about the area, but like I grew up in Glen Olden and there's Glen Olden, there's Briarcliff, there's Fallcroft. And a lot of those areas, um, if people are starting to vacate. Um, and what's happened is, is when you leave that area, you don't go to Jersey. You usually go for, you know, further in Pennsylvania. So like those areas of like Glen Mills, Westchester, um, those even like Downingtown, like when I was growing up, Downingtown was Canada. Like when people left to Downingtown, we sent them like a going away party, you know, like we'll never see you again. But now it's become an area where you know, people were 50,000 over waving appraisal. So um, it's tough. I mean, it is tough. Um, I would say local with the lender is key. Again, with the professionals, like the real estate agents, because sometimes you know, there's relationships there that help. Um, again, going back to like being ready to, when an opportunity presents itself, like the house I live in now never made it to market. I had a real estate agent who was fantastic, who, you know, she knew somebody who was about to list the house. I walked in, he said a number, I bought the house and it's an opportunity that I'm thankful for four years later. And so something that was just something that happened and I was ready. And I think that being ready and, um, you know, using, you know, trusted local people really matter. Um, I, I just think that's the real, the, the big, and even with all that, it doesn't have to work out. You know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Now you mentioned something that is interesting. Um, buying a house over the appraised value. How does that happen? I mean, how, how are you able to structure that? Cause um, and again, just based on my limited experience, does that create issues, you know, for uh, the buyer and seller? Well, Dave, I'm happy that people are going to be able to listen to this and rewind and listen to it again, because what I'm about to say is really nuanced. So if you're, when you waive an appraisal, basically you're saying like, say the house is worth 550, say mm -hmm. the house is being bought for 500, but you're paying it, sorry, listed for 500, but you're buying it for 550. So if, if you waive the appraisal, if it comes in at 500,000, then you have to close that $50,000 gap and then you have to start the purchase. Mm -hmm. So when I first, this is new to Dave, like this is only over the last three years, I've even heard of this. So when this first happened, I was like, oh my gosh. If people got to come up with $50,000 and then they have to buy the house. That's insane. And that is the case if you're going to put down the minimum, if you're going to put 5% down or you know, three and a half on FHA. But if you're putting down more than the minimum, so you're going to put 20% down or you're going to put 15% down or 10% down, waiving the appraisal is not as bad as everybody thinks it is because, like I said, you're going to think of, listen to this for a bit. 550, say, say that situation happens where you buy the house at 550 and the house appraises at 500. So if you were going to put 10% down, you could pay that 50 grand gap, and then you could just put 5% down now instead of 10%. So then the mortgage insurance goes up, but if you're a high-end credit person, you might be talking, when we run these scenarios, 
usually like in that situation, the, per the buyer would be coming out of pocket, maybe $25,000 more than they wanted to. And their monthly payment would be very similar within 60 to 80 bucks. So, so waiving the appraisal in a situation where the client is willing to put down more than the minimum and they have good credit, it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, appraisers are six months behind the market. So we have seen people have to close gaps. The, the, the big person I really try to educate is the person who wants to put 20% down. Because if you want to put 20% down, I, oh, I think that's fantastic. But if you move it back to 15% and you're a high-end credit person, the mortgage insurance with 15% down, a lot of times is 40, 50 bucks. So you can keep your out-of-pocket in check um, and keep your monthly payment pretty much in the same ballpark and the mortgage insurance falls off within a few years. So um, each client is different, but like me trying to, I've explained that to, I've explained that to real estate agents and they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But it is mathematically, more, I'll tell you what the key is. People think mortgage insurance is $300 a month. It is not. It is not that much. If it's, it's related on the loan amount, how much you put down, and the credit score. If you're a high-end credit person, me personally, I could have put 20% down this house. I put 15% down, and my loan was like probably $400 something dollars. My mortgage insurance was $40. Mm. So people don't quite understand mortgage insurance. And, you know, because it's, it's the real estate agents, when they use that, like they're, they're, um, their um, uh, like their technology, it shoots out mortgage insurance of three hundred bucks a month, two eighty a month. That is not always the case, especially with high end credit. Yeah, that's really helpful. I think, um, and I think again, it, it's a it demonstrates how important it is to be working with someone who knows the nuances, who understands the different angles, and can explain the pluses and minuses. Right? Because absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think about this, Steve, is, is if you're working with a salesperson that just wants to do a transaction, they're not typically going to want to take the time and even the risk of explaining these different elements, right? Very, very well put. The risk. Yeah. The risk. It's, it's true. You know, that's really, that's, if you are putting yourself out there because you're trying to explain a complex information and you don't know what degree of understanding is on the other side of the phone. And you do like, and there are times where like, you know, I've had times where it's gone sideways and they, you know, they hang up the phone. I feel like they were frustrated. And then they call me back the next day. Like, hey, Steve, now I understand. Like, I do get that. Uh, it is a risk. Um, definitely. But here's the other thing that's concerning is I talk to people that were pre-approved other places and then they come and for whatever reason, they make their way to me and they never heard of it. What I'm talking about, they never heard of the appraisal gap like and how you can manipulate the down payment to keep everything kind of in the same ballpark. They've never heard of these little nuances. And especially like the person put 20% down with 800 credit score, waiving an appraisal is really not that big of it. I mean, it's, it's not as risky as when I first heard it and then seeing with VA, there's another one like VA 10% down, waiving the appraisal doesn't change anything at all because there's yeah. no mortgage insurance. So yeah, I definitely think that, you know, I'm one that lives the business and, and, and when you live something, you spend so much time, something, you get good at it. Anything you practice, you'll get good at. But, you know, I do think there's definitely what in this market with such a changing market, I think the, the degree of understanding of the professionals involved, including the real estate agents. I mean, they sometimes I hear things from real estate. Agents, I'm like, wow, that's a game changer. And it's, it's and I'm thinking I, don't, I never heard that before. So the, the degree of understanding and the experience of the professional uh, it matters more than ever. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, uh, clearly 
are a real uh, student of your profession, right? And, and I also hear that you're always wanting to learn and understand. And, um, you know, it doesn't sound like you have this mindset that you've now, you know, arrived or figured it out. Um, how do you keep things fresh or how do you keep, I, I think what I hear, Steve, is humility, right? Even though you've achieved a lot of success, you've been at this a long time, you're able to remain humble. What do you think? And I know it's always hard, right? When you ask somebody a question about humility, it's like, you know, I'm asking you to almost kind of break the rules of humility, right? Which is to, you know, uh, brag about yourself a little bit. But I do think it's a really important element, especially for salespeople, right? Because, um, you know, sales is difficult. Um, there is always an element because it's, it's um, you know, we're dealing with money, and um, you know we're dealing with commission, these sorts of things. It, it can be a bit of a fine line. So you know, do you have any advice there? Well, one of like for, first of all, in terms of values from of the and the principles of the company, you know, continuous improvement is one of them. You know, I, I think it it, it it bleeds into the staff too. I think my staff has gotten so much better um, <clears throat> over the time that we've worked together. Um, you know, continuous improvement is something that's important. Um, in terms of you know what makes what drives um, like the the work you know is you know not you know being content I mean it's just who I am you know I want to get better um, I, I'm competitive um, and not necessarily I wouldn't say competitive against other people but competitive competitive to who I was yesterday you know I just want to get better I want to get better um, at everything um, in all aspects of life. And it's, I, I mean, I thank my dad, I guess. I mean, that would probably be a big part of it. Like, you know, he would push you. And you know, sports, you know, I'm always into sports. I think that helps you too. Um, and I think, but I will say though, I am passionate about the business. Um, this business hits me in exactly like my skill sets. Like I, I, I can communicate. I don't have a lot of strengths. And then the strengths I do have happen to be aligned to this business. And I think it makes me passionate about it. Um, a lot of times I hear like, oh, man, you work so hard, but I feel energized by the work. I'm not tired. I don't wake up and I'm like, oh, I got to do this again. Like, I I, I'm, I love it. You know, my wife always, you know, she makes fun of me. It's like when things, you know, because in the winter, I get a little bit slow. She's like, are you going to be okay? Like, what are you going to do all day? And it's like, you know, I just like to get better. I like to work. I love helping people. I love making sense of a complex industry. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do. I am somebody who has always been a high end drive guy, a high work ethic guy. I just want to be the best person I can be. Good stuff. Um, and, and what I hear there, too, is some of that seven habits of highly effective people, right? That continuous improvement. Um, discipline. Begin, begin with the end in mind. You know, I mean, at yeah. some point I'm going to be an old man. Um, some people yeah. might say I am now. And, you know, at some point I'm going to be an older man. I'm going to have to look back on what I did and I want to be proud of it. I think that's kind of like, what's it like they have, like, you know, envision yourself on your 80th birthday. What would people say about you? And I think yeah. that that's something to think about. Like, I, I, you know, this isn't, this isn't a dress rehearsal. This is my life and I, I want to make it the best I can be. Yeah. Yeah. You said some really important things. Um, I know I, you've made me think about some things and, um, you know, also reminded me of some things that I think I forgot uh, that are so important, like that continuous improvement. And, um, you know, that really in sales, all we're really doing is competing against ourselves, right? I mean, it's, and and, and just that focus on being, you know, I think you, you use the, the word, what, or words, whatever it takes. I think those are really important. And, you know, priding yourself on answering that phone whenever, 
someone calls and and um, you know just just being passionate about about the client experience. I think that's really good stuff. Um, as we wrap up, let's talk a little bit about uh, what you like to do in your free time. I mean, I know when you were working a hundred hours a week, there probably wasn't any, <laughs> but hopefully, you know, now that has changed somewhat. Uh, but I also know you have a young family, so it might just be that you're going to tell us you spend all your time with your kids, which isn't a bad thing either. Uh, I mean, the times with the kids are special. Um, you know, it really is, and, and they're getting. You know, even more and more fun each day. You know, my my uh my two year old's you know future CEO, I think, and then my son is just like his mother, as sweet as can be. So I mean, we are really blessed. Um, spend a lot of time with the kids, spend a lot of time with the family. We have a really great um, dynamic around the house. So um, whenever we get the opportunity to do that, big golfer. Um, eh, I don't know if I'm great at it, but I would definitely love it. Um, I try to play early in the morning so that I can enjoy it and put my phone in my golf bag and not think about work. Um. And, you know, just um, you know, really just trying to develop myself in other ways. Um, it, that's the other thing is I, I do do other like investment ideas and you know, try to buy properties and try to educate myself in, in, in those areas. But, you know, more than anything, just, you know, especially on the weekend, just spending time with the family um, and, and just, you know, growing them. And, and it's nice because I'll tell you, for two years, three years in a row, there, there wasn't a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of grinding. Um, even when great when the rates were low, like I was working crazy hours then, too. You know, I was you know, closing 30 loans a month and it's it's a lot. And, you know, I, w- I would say that um, with my free time, I try to take my mind away from the business. I try to you know sharpen the saw and to, you know try to really um, recharge myself and nothing. And we also we do travel a bit like I have a, a house in the mountains, which for whatever reason, when I'm up in the mountains with my family, it feels like a real, real vacation. It feels like even if I'm working, I'm not working as much because it's just it's something about being up there. So, um, you know, just again, like. I think in a lot of ways, our family is just starting. I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old, but God, I'm excited. I mean, they're just so awesome. It's been, it's been a blessing. That's great. I love to hear that because I feel the same way. Um, I think most fathers do. It really changes your life. Uh, and like you said, you know, being responsible for other people really, you know, does change how you look at life and, and the decisions you make and, um, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, sitting on the porch when you're 80, right? Uh mm-hmm you want to look back and, and uh, make sure that you had your priorities straight. And it definitely sounds like you do. Um, so uh, what's the best way for people to find you, Steve? I mean, I'm easy to reach on my cell phone. You know, I'm 610-505-9846. I mean, I answer the phone. Um, my whole business is set up so that when clients and referral partners need me, I answer. Um, so, you know, that's a direct contact to me. Um, you know, you can email me, text me. Um, I, uh, I'm about as responsive as they get. So, um, you can always call me, you can text me. Dave, when you hang on the phone, you want to talk mortgages, I'm going to answer the phone. So, um, this is what I do. Um, and, um, I think more than anything, I just want to try to change like the whole paradigm on the mortgage industry and how the process works and how clients are treated. And um, I think, we, you know, we work, we work hard really every day to try to do that. So. Good stuff. Steve Rinaldi, the Rinaldi Group. Thank you so much for taking the time. Look forward to staying in touch with you. And um, like I said, I, you've uh, reminded me a lot of things. And I, I just really appreciate your time, your passion, your energy, uh, and uh, what you've achieved based on values and principles. So uh, well done, man. 
I really thank you for the opportunity. It really was a pleasure. And I, if anything, I hope if somebody's out there and they're thinking about making a career switch and they're thinking about making that, taking that risk, um, you know, I think that that's really, I, would, I just wanted to really mention that because you know, there's a lot of people, if you're working a salary position, you're happy, great. I think it's a great life. But if you, you have that hunger, you have that drive and you want more of it, you know, save up, try to save up and, and, and take the risk. I, I think, you know, you'll be happy with it. Great. All right, Steve. Thank you Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Take care. It was a pleasure. Yep. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.